0: Okay, I'm going to start by telling you a story uh, that's about someone that I actually love because he's an amazing storyteller, and that's a guy called uh, Tony Campolo. And uh, Tony uh, tells a story about he and his wife going to visit Scotland, and they were going there on a bit of a European tour, and it went to Scotland particularly because his wife's uh, grandfather had worked in the docks in the shipyards building ships, and as part of their leg, they really wanted to go and see where his wife's grandfather had worked, and they made their way, way to the small Scottish town, which is where the docks were and where the shipbuilding was happening. And as they were making their way to the dock, they got talking to a lady who was also making her way there, and as they got speaking, they kind of introduced themselves and explained why they were there, and she said, oh, well... I'm not going to do a Scottish accent because I think that would be incredibly disrespectful. And she said, <laughs> "I'm so tempted, but it is so bad." Okay, the new. My name is Peggy, and um, she said, "But so you'd understand me from this point forward, I'll speak with an English accent." And. Um, She said, my name is Peggy, and actually, I work at the shipyard. And um, they started to walk through, and she said, I'll I'll take you down there. And she made her way, and as they made their way nearer the shipyard, they met lots of individuals, both going towards the shipyard and coming from the shipyard. And she seemed to know everyone. She smiled, said hello, and everyone warmly greeted her and said, hi, Peggy, how are you? And as they got to the shipyard, they couldn't help but ask, Peggy, what do you do? You seem to know everyone. What is it that you do? And at this point, Peggy paused. And because she paused and stopped, they had to stop. And the tension built as Peggy said, What do I do? Well, what I do is I polish all the brass on the ships. And then she continued. And as she was about to continue Tony and his wife looked at each other, that kind of sense of, well, that's pretty cool, but how come everyone knows you? And then she said this, she said, and a ship never leaves dock without the approval of me knowing that the brass is as it should be. And in that moment, Tony and his wife got Something got something from Peggy in how she saw everything of what she did. You see, for Peggy, yes, she was involved in polishing the brass on ships, but she lived with this bigger picture, this bigger vision of what she was about, which was getting ships ready to be able to be on the ocean. And in actual fact, if she didn't play her part, they'd never be ready. And she went as far to say as if she didn't play a part and it wasn't to her approval, they shouldn't be going to sea. She got the picture that actually in what we do, we need to live with this bigger picture of what we're about (coughs) that motivates everything of what we do. And today, when we call our Vision Sunday, it's like a Sunday which we get excited about because it's us as a community, as individuals seeking to remind ourselves of why we do what we do. I'm seeking to get a moment like Peggy and to remember, actually, we're not just into the focus of the here and now. It's part of a much bigger story. And it's so important that we spend time doing that. It's so important because it gives us perspective on our day-to-day existence. It causes us to remember what God's done and what God's wanting to do in and through us. And it gives us that sense of excitement of what is it that God continually is wanting to do in and through you and in and through me. And therefore, it's that in mind that we're looking at what this is, a Vision Sunday, and maybe you're new around us. And if that's the case, what you're going to find is that we do things slightly differently. Normally, at this point, we'd jump straight into a passage of Scripture and seek to expound it and say, what relevance does this have in our life? Whereas today, what we're going to be doing is say, actually, no, we're going to do things slightly differently, remind ourselves, pause for a moment as a community and say, why is it we do what we do? And in answer to that question, we live with a bigger vision. A bigger vision that, to be honest, we could have just finished off with worship, couldn't we, and carried on with that sense of, actually, it's all about Jesus. It's all of that sense of who Jesus is, and the fact we want to then just sing about that in everything and everywhere we go. But in that bigger vision of what we live with, we've said that, actually, we want to come together and live with this deep sense of what we're about by reducing it to four words. Four words that we splatter everywhere. We're like, as I often say, a teenager with a marker pen on a West Midlands bus, seeking to tag everything that they can. Windows, seats, bags, people in front of them. And we're like that by saying this is what we're about. Why? Because we always want to remind ourselves this is what we're living for. This is what motivates us in everything we're seeking to be together, everything we're seeing to be as we're scattered out of this. And that's simply these four words, which you'd have seen on T-shirts, seen them on banners, loving God, loving people. We said that at the very core of who we are, we want to be about loving God and loving people. We want to live as Jesus called us to, to say, actually, we want to live seeking to love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And to love our neighbor as ourselves which we say is to love God and love people. What does that look like? Well, it means that we love God through seeking to center our whole beings on him. To say that the very core of who we are is this God of love, this God who we can't help center on because he's one who's always been loved, this God who's Father, Son, and Spirit, who's always existed eternally in love. And we say actually who we want to be are those that say our whole being is centered on the fact that this God of love exists and he loves us. And that love that we then get to know is a love that we then center our whole lives on. So we get to dwell, understanding that we are now forever defined by this God who is eternally loving. Not by what others have said about us, not by what we might achieve in the future, not by what we think we should be compared to others, but rather this deep understanding that in loving God, it causes us to center on who he is and how he defines us. That we can walk into rooms. We can get up in the morning. We can go to bed at night knowing we're as loved as we could ever be. And that changes everything. Everything. It causes us then in terms of loving God to not only live centering on him, but also celebrating in him. Celebrating in him in everything we are and everything we do. Of seeking to see that every opportunity is a moment to revel and marvel in the fact that this is this God of love, and we get to love him in and through everything we do. And for me, just being around us as a community last year, was humbling. Because what you saw was different individuals being squeezed in different ways. And what happened is, as life experiences squeezed individuals, it caused them to reveal how you love God through those situations. Because what we've said is in centering on who this is, this God of love, it causes us to celebrate in who this God is of love, regardless of what circumstances are going on. It isn't that we're those that say, actually, yeah, we love God because everything's good in life. Actually, we love God regardless of what's going on. And I think for me, I've been humbled by the privilege of being around a community that revealed the harder we're squeezed, the more we reveal our celebration of this God of love. And so we are about this bigger vision of loving God then everything we do, everything we're seeking to be is this deal of living with this love for God. But then also we said, well, we're also going to be about loving people. Loving people because we love what God loves. And God loves people. You read the story, the whole of the Bible, and what comes out is this deep understanding of God's love and commitment to humanity. Of his desire for humanity to know his love to experience his love, to live in his love in order that they then one day be able to get part of this world once he's restored into what it's meant to be, filled with his love. And therefore we love people because God loves people. And therefore we love people as God loves people. See, God loves sacrificially. We see that through the songs we've sung this morning, that we see this through God's love demonstrated through Jesus' life, death, and then resurrection. And therefore, if that's how God loves people, we're to love the same way. Therefore, we love as he loves through the laying down of our lives for others. Why are we able to do that? Oh, because of the first part. Because we know that we're already as loved as we could ever be. We're not looking for love. We've already found it, as the song says. But rather, sorry, I was going to sing them, but there wasn't enough people to be going with me. To, I know the song you mean. Go and Google it. The, in it, we therefore love as God loves, which is sacrificially. It's unconditionally. And it's for our best. That we're a community of people who say, yeah, we're going to love sacrificially. We're going to love unconditionally whoever's around us. And we're going to love for people's best. It isn't that we're going to say, actually, anything goes. It's rather that we're going to say, no, we want to draw you in to understand this God of love who has his, your best interests at heart. I finally we want to love people by loving them, by loving how we can cause them to love God. That our greatest desire isn't that we kind of keep this sense of God's love to ourselves, and Man, this is amazing, and then occasionally tell other people, I want to love you, but you can't know the love that I really know. Now, the whole point of our being is say we want to catch as many people as possible, if not the whole of the world up, with this deep understanding that God loves them. And therefore, it is with excitement when we see people making steps towards God's love. When we hear of people actually starting to experience for themselves what it looks like to centre their lives on God's love. So if you were around a couple of months ago and we got to hear different stories as people got baptised, that baptism, that outward sign of being taken underwater saying, I've died to my old life with me at the centre. I now come out of the water to a new life with Jesus at the centre. What I loved about the stories, know about you, was the stories of how individuals have been caused to see God's love. So I think of one guy who tells the story. I'd heard lots about who Jesus was, but I wanted to see what difference he makes in people's lives. So I came around you as a community. And through coming around you as a community, I started to realize the difference that Jesus could make in my life. And therefore, I've been caused to love him. Second story. Another guy talks about how he's just known unconditional love and mercy through his recovery. And then it's saying, as I've experienced the love, comfort and mercy of people through my recovery, I've been drawn to the one who's motivated them. In order that I've come to know this greater love. This greater mercy, this greater comfort revealed through God. Or then a lady who then shares and says, Actually, for me, in coming around you, it just caused me to get desperate. The desperate to say, I want to know this God of love as you guys know him. And caused me to just keep crying out, saying, God, why won't you reveal yourself to me? And then in a moment, through a dream in the night, Jesus appears. And reveals his love for her in order that she's forever changed. I don't know about you, but at the end of that meeting, I could have packed the bags up and said, man, that's it, I'm done. This is what we live for. This is loving God and loving people. This is the difference it makes that we love as God loves. God loves people. We love as God loves by sacrificially, unconditionally, for people's best. But the ultimate sense of loving people is we want to catch them up in loving God as we love him. And so we live with this bigger sense of vision of loving God and loving people. But with that bigger vision, we also live with signposts along the way. And we live with these signposts that we find that words and phrases God speaks to us that kind of encourage us through our journey. And so at different points in different years, we've had different words and different phrases, enjoying the journey, fruit that lasts, called to inhabit, to be pioneer inhabitants, not settlers. We hear these things and what they do is they spur us on. As we continue to live that bigger vision of everything we are, everything we do is about loving God and loving people. As the last year, we had this deep sense of encouragement through a passage in scripture from Isaiah 54, which says this. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. And from this, we felt God say to us and encourage us that we're not to do something different but we're to build. We're to be about building for a year, building on what God is doing in and through us. And we're to live with this headline for the year, a signpost to encourage us as we love God and love people, that it's to be a year about building. And we said we're going to give ourselves to four areas, to building breadth, building depth, building kingdom, and building building. And what I want to do is pause for a moment I'm going to show a quick video which just reveals uh, something of our journey over the last year as we've lived with that signpost
1: of building. Hi guys, my name is Will Roberts, I work for Warwickshire Cricket Club. I just want to send you guys a little message as you uh, review your 2016. It's been such a privilege to get to know you guys and to work with your leadership team over this year. Um, You've been incredibly fantastic and really, really generous with your time and your resources when we look at stuff like the Fun Day and the Test Match and the Birmingham 10k where you have got really involved and really stuck in. Um, it meant a huge deal to us to have that um, around for us to add to our event. So thank you so much for your generosity. A special thanks to the, the person that had to get in the Hugh Bear costume for the 10k. I don't know how you did it but um, a big sacrifice on your part. Um, it's been so good having you guys on the other side of the stadium, and just always willing to add to what we do. Um, whether it's that that is contributing to the event itself, or just giving us support, um, it's been an incredible thing to rely on. Um, so special thanks to you guys and to your leadership team for always being willing, um, always looking to say yes and. Um, Just adding to what we do, it's really helped us and, and means a lot to the team over on the other side of the stadium and our community as well. So, big thank you and all the best for 2017.
0: I think for me as we uh, reviewed something of what went on last year I was mindful of just how many different individuals have had stories of suffering and yet within that backdrop how much we've done together and I was just deeply grateful for the kind of community we are uh, and I think we've been changed and have changed people as a result of last year so thank you so much for your involvement in the journey. Uh, in terms of where we go from this point well before we look ahead, I just wanted to make one comment just because I recognize that all of us were there last Sunday evening. And we feel like we started the year with an encouragement in terms of building was to be a headline name for the year. And to be honest, we ended the year with building being a headline word for the year. And so, some of you will know this story, it probably is filtered out, I'd hope by now, as I know how the drums play within Oasis to carry the messages. But if you haven't heard that, just at the end of last year in December, uh, <clears throat> commercial director from Edgebaston Cricket Ground, asked if he could meet with myself. Uh, doesn't regularly do that, so I had said, why? Uh, and he said, uh, I need to talk through some development plans for the ground. At that point, I remember turning to a number of people, and I said, well, there's two extremes to this. One is, you need to be out by January. The other is, uh, we just need to know there's going to be some discomfort as you go forwards. Now, as we got to that meeting, I realized by his face that it was probably nearer this end than that end, and so as we talked, I kind of helped him through and realized, as I said on Sunday night, that I am a pastor. And I realized by his facial expression, he wasn't really want to do this meeting. And therefore, I thought I could pastor him through it. And through it, <laughs> helped him through to a point of him being able to say, actually, we've got to a point, because of the next phase of developments on the cricket ground, we unfortunately need to ask Oasis Church to leave by the 30th of April. Now, at that point, as he shared that news, I said, well, it's quite amazing. Actually, I feel quite peaceful about this because we're living within a phase and a year where God spoke to us about being building. Now, it is quite amazing that you can often talk to people who have nothing, no knowledge about God. And yet you can easily put in moments of just saying, actually, I don't know what you think about God, but God actually speaks and involves in our lives. And so we were able to talk a bit about how God does speak and get involved in our lives. I said, look, I don't know what it's going to look like. But I want you to know that we've counted it such a privilege to be here. And we would want the partnership to continue wherever we land after 30th of April. And he said, I'm so bowled over because I was really hoping you'd say that. Uh, and I'll come on to a bit later what that might look like. What it also caused me to get to a point, I've had a little bit more time, as I said, last Sunday evening to process this, is to get to a point of peace and faith. Because actually, God spoke to us at the very beginning of the year, in January, that, this was that, that 2016 was to be a year about building. And at the end of the year, we then get told, all right, the building you're meeting in, which doesn't define us, what defines us is us, the people. We're not going to be in anymore by the end of April. And for me, I felt, like, okay, God, you're in control of this. Therefore, we can have peace about this. The other thing I realised about who we are as a community is the biggest miracles we've ever seen together have been in respect to buildings. The locations we meet in, that often both here in the MAC where we met have been within a backdrop of people saying, churches never get to meet there, which was true, and you never get to regularly meet there, and you're never ever going to get negotiation on price. And what we found 10 years in is that churches do get to meet in venues that people say they can't meet in, that we do get quite amazing deals on where we meet, and God opens doors in order that we get to reveal something about who he is to to environments that people would least expect where they would happen. And therefore, I want us to kind of get from this point of maybe some of us are hearing this news for the first time and thinking, whoa, what does this mean? What it means is, God's got this one. He told us at the beginning, building. Therefore, what it means in us is we say, actually, God, we trust you with this. And say, God, just in our past, as you've done things, we trust you and say, in our future, would you do something? And therefore, I want us to live, not with a sense of, all right, we can't ever say we're concerned. We'll come on to that. But we can say, actually, I'm a bit worried about X, Y, or Z. But within my worry, I'm going to give it to you, God, saying, God, you've got this in hand. Therefore, this coming year, we could say, well, is it then a continuation? Surely, if by 30th of April, we've got to be out, let's call it building phase two year. That's not what we're going to call it. Because actually, before we ever heard any news from Edgebaston, I felt God speak to me. And for us as a team, we felt God speak to us about what this year was to be characterized by. If you like the signpost we were to put up over 2017. And the signpost was (laughs) to be this. It was to be a year of adventure. I tell you what, when you go into a meeting where you're being told actually you're going to move out of somewhere by the 30th of April, with a backdrop of knowing that you're already heading into a year that's to be characterized by adventure, you think, okay, God, I can see what adventure looks like. And in it, I want us to see that this is something God has spoken to us about. And then in it, I feel like it's, The theme, the signpost, the encouragement we're to live with, with a deep expectation individually and together that God wants this year for you and for me and for us together to be a year characterised by adventure. Now, for me personally, I'm already finding this. I'm only, I don't even know how many weeks we're into January. Is it two, three weeks? And I found, like, opportunity after opportunity just seems to keep <coughs> opening up. Generally, I open my inbox on in a day, and suddenly an email that I wasn't expecting is there. And I think, wow, I didn't think adventure would look like that. And so for us as a community, through some of what I'm involved in, we're getting a part to play in shaping increasingly the family of churches we're part of, of catalyst. And so increasingly, not only the catalyst for the work of, uh, workplace event uh, that we're involved in and hosting, getting to kind of be involved in that, there's other opportunities, adventures to be had in terms of the festival that I've been involved in. Of that seeming as though it's landing continuously and completely on my lap, I said, okay, how's that going to work? As well as seeking to show how we can shape the churches in the UK, 80 plus, plus churches in the nations, of what we live with as a community of saying actually God is longing to be involved both in when we're gathered but also in when we're scattered in the unique environments we're put in. And I felt God just say, oh, part of the adventure for you, Adrian, is I'm going (laughs) to open up doors for you, represent Oasis in different environments, which we'll talk about in different ways as the weeks come on. But in it, I felt also drawn to a passage, a passage that a number of people have shared at different gatherings. And as it's come, I thought, all right, God, I'm getting your attention on this passage. And I feel it's a passage that's to characterize us as we live individually and together with this call to adventure. And it's from Isaiah again, and it's Isaiah 43, where God says this, I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator, your king. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. That's just a quick reference in terms of the escape from Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, and the kind of Egyptians kind of trying to pursue God's people. And then God saying, shut the waves, you're all free. "'Forget the former things. "'I'm not going to part any more water. "'Do not dwell on the past. "'See, I'm doing a new thing. "'Now it springs up. "'Do you not perceive it? "'I am making a way in the wilderness "'and streams in the wasteland.'" The wild animals honour me, the jackals and the owls, because I'm not going to talk a lot about jackals and owls, sorry. <laughs> if you want more on that one, come and talk to me a lot later. Um, <laughs> because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. The people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim <coughs> my Praise. See, this passage, yes, it had relevance to the original hearers of how God was going to rescue them from oppression, from slavery once again, but it was going to look different. But it was then pointing towards how God was going to rescue the whole of humanity in a totally radically new way, which is he was going to come to earth as a human in Jesus and rescue them through his life, death, and resurrection. But then, this is why it's such an amazing passage. It's not only current relevance for the Old Testament future relevance, which we live in now, of Jesus, but then a relevance for everyone as followers followers of Jesus to know this is the mission that we're called to. Not to hang out in areas that are flooded by who God is, but get to places that know nothing of his refreshment. I don't know about you, this is probably the best description I've ever seen of what an oasis is and what an oasis does. And part of our adventure this year is to understand that this is what God wants to do in us and through us. I believe that God wants to bring the reality of this scripture in us. You see, I recognize that for different ones of us, we've been in seasons. Maybe we're in a season at the moment where it's filled like wilderness and wasteland. And it's into that season of wilderness and wasteland that God wants you to understand that it's in those places he comes and brings his streams and rivers, his goodness, his presence, his spirit. And there's a way that we get to know God in a new and adventurous way when we hit the places of wilderness and wasteland that we wouldn't ever know. And so there's an adventure of what God wants to do in us. There's also an adventure of what God wants to do through us. That God wants us together. God wants to use us uniquely in the environments we've been placed in. To bring these streams and rivers to wastelands, to the wilderness places. N.T. Wright says this about who we are as followers of Jesus. He says, we are to be those who bring the life of heaven on earth. The life of heaven. Heaven is that banner word that ruins the place where God dwells. And we get to bring that on earth. And what happens when you bring the life of heaven on earth is it brings refreshment to everyone and anyone who tastes it. What does that life of heaven look like? It was everything we looked at last year. That's why we kind of did it. It's the building the culture stuff. It's the love, hope, peace, rest, authentic. authentic- Authenticity. Authenticity. It's. I knew I'd get there eventually. I was kept wanting to say authentic, but it's authenticity. It's honour. It's comfort, justice, mercy. It's those attributes, characteristics we're looking at. Not just think, oh, that'd be nice. No, that's what it looks like when we pray. God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, it's saying, God, use me to bring the life of what you've got there to here. Because that's your ultimate desire. And where does God want to do that? He wants to do it where it isn't. He wants to do it in the places where we look around and we look at our work environments, our streets, the recovery programs we're on, the communities we're in, the university campuses we're around, and we say, it feels a bit like a desert. It feels like a wilderness, a wasteland sometimes. And God says, oh yeah, that's because I've got an adventure for you this year. Because those are the unique places you've been placed to bring the wonder of the life of heaven onto earth to bring streams and water. So how are we going to do that? Well, I'd say we want to do it in four different ways. It always feels like it matches out in four ways. So I want us to live this year with an adventure of knowing, an adventure of being, an adventure of doing, and an adventure of moving. And because at this point I know probably we've got to the point of saturation and we're going to forget everything that I say after this, I'm okay with that but I will keep speaking. Is at this point people in orange t-shirts are going to pass around a little card that you can take away. And the point of this card isn't that you leave it on your chair, the point of this card is you put it somewhere that you'll remember. And so I always, we as a family always have ours in our fridge because our fridge is something we go to every day. And so we put it there, so it reminds us, this is what we're going for this year. I'd encourage you, put this card where you know you're going to see it. As I believe the desire as we live out this passage is to live in these four ways. Let's just quickly look what I mean by these four ways. Well, firstly then, an adventure of knowing. God's desire is never that we get to a point of thinking, yeah, I know you, God. God. His desire for us is to live with this adventurous spirit that says, God, I know there's more to discover of who you are. And this coming year, I want us to live as a community with that sense of, of character, that sense characterizing us, of saying, God, I know there's more to discover of who you are. And that's going to be something that characterizes who we are together in how the, we, the preaching series we look at, the worship that we enjoy together, but I want us to characterize us, us as individuals. And I'll ask you this question this year. What's it going to look like for you to join an adventure of knowing God more? I'm not going to specify what that looks like. Why? Because it's just kind of spoon-feeding everyone. That's like stupid, and we're all different, aren't we? Rather, I want to invite you to say, what does it look like this year for me to join an adventure in knowing more of God. I know what it looks like for me. What about for you? So that's the first one, adventure of knowing. Second one then, an adventure of being. There's a sense of it, again, a, an adventure of being both together and individually. I think, let's look at the individual one first. I want us to join an adventure this coming year to say, what does it look like for me to continue to mature in the adventure of understanding who I am as defined by God and living in that reality. That's the different part, okay? I think many of us understand the reality of who we are in God. Why do I think that? Because we talk about it every Sunday. No, you don't. Go back to last year and listen to every talk And I promise you, if you do that again, you'll discover that in every week it's being revealed and taught who we are in relation to who God is. The challenge is, and the adventure that we need to live in, is are we living in that reality? Are we living defined by how God sees us? Not how Adrian Hurst tells us God sees us. No, how God has revealed it to you. How God's revealed it to me. I want to encourage this. Let's not settle and say, oh, I've got to this point. I know this bit of freedom, but there's this stuff I think is always going to characterize my life. No. no I, want to I want to call to adventure say, no, the adventure of throwing off everything that hinders. The sin that so easily entangles. I say, no, I want to live freer in everything you've got for me, God. Why? Because I want to be defined by how you define me. So That's a bit in terms of individually. What about together then? Why well, is say, let's be defined this year by being together. This is one of those ones that we'll kind of keep raising. And, but I'll be honest, I don't think we've, we've made way on this. Now, at this point, you are thinking, well, thinking, what are we talking about? Well, I'm going to come to that. But I want your attention. I find that if you own up and say, do you know what? I think I've failed on this one. Here you go, I'm owning up. I think I failed on this one. I don't think we're where we should be as a community. And that's in small groups. Small groups, the design of it is to find a way where our connection point together isn't just as a big gathered community on a Sunday, but is actually in a meaningful gathered community outside of a Sunday, in a smaller group of people, hence the Jazzy name. And in that smaller group of people, all we're seeking to do is say, How can we seek to live more open with one another, to spur one another on? And how can we live to love God and love people? And I know some of us are in small groups, but many of us aren't. And this year, I want us the adventure of discovering how can we make this work. Why? Because we want to be together. We want to live in the reality of the beauty of what happens when we are together. And so we're going to live an adventure of Building small groups that work. I'm not saying that the ones we're in aren't. I just think there's more of us to be in them. Last, the next one then. Building through doing. The amazing adventure is that we get to bring the life of heaven on earth. Yes, it's great when we gather together. And we think, oh yeah, this is the life of heaven. We get to celebrate. We're all on the same page. We're all seeking to center our lives on God. We all want to sing those songs that say, where you send us, God will go. That's a dangerous song. Because then you have to think, where have you sent me? And how am I going? Oh, no, 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 it's just Sunday morning. Where you send us, God will go. No, I've sent you. Are you going? And this is where doing happens. Where well, We together say, do you know what we're here for? Is yes to enjoy and encourage one another as we gather together. But it's also to scatter out in the world. Scatter together sometimes. To go after things and say, actually, together we're going to bring something of the life of heaven on earth. So we're going to keep building. To use that phrase, the adventure, to use this phrase. In loving the city. All that Paul Sams and Sarah Bowen have led us in. Of saying, let's expect that we can break out of these walls and cause what we know of God to come invade people's lives in the here and now. So we're going to be going over to Cannon Hill Park, we're going to, be going to other areas, and expecting that God is going to meet people, as he has already been doing this past year. It has amazed me, every time those guys go out, they, God speaks to them, for individuals, and individuals get to see that God is real and alive. That's pretty exciting. I want us to join that adventure together in loving the city. We're going to join the adventure in Impact. We're going to hear a bit more about this next week. But Impact, we're changing gear slightly because we've been invited by the MAC to create culture there. That's quite an invitation, isn't it? We would like you to come in and create culture within our arts institution. And that was way before they found out they got a 70% loss in income. This isn't this. This is part of this adventure. Come and create culture in the heart of an arts institution, in the heart of the city. We'll get to hear a bit more about that next week. The, career, the adventure of all we're seeking to do in the bridge. of seeking I tell story after story, but seeking to see individuals find recovery and a connection we're having with a bigger organisation which potentially could open up and scale up everything we've ever done. But then also the adventure of what we do individually. Every single one of us has been uniquely placed where we are now. And the invitation this year is what is the adventure God wants you to have, me to have, in where He has uniquely placed us? And for us to start daily and saying, God, what's the adventure you've got for me today? Not, Monday morning, get up, coffee, speak. That's just me. It's get up, Father what's the adventure you've got for me today? And there's someone who modeled that very, very well, who was God, Jesus. And I want to invite us to do that. And then lastly, the adventure of moving. It is there. We know we are moving on the 30th of April, but we do not know where. We know when, we don't know where. That's an adventure. (laughs) The gap between The when and the where, that's space for adventure. It's space for us to say, God, what are you going to do in and through this? And I want us to see that as an adventure together. An adventure together of saying, God, what are you going to do? We're going to pray and say, God, we are expectant for you to do something. And God, we're also going to still expect that with this other song we keep singing, where you send us, God will go. That's uncomfortable, I know where I want you to send us, God, but it's where you want to send us, God will go. And what is amazing, I think, in this last week I've had more encouragements that people have shared from God than ever before of people just saying, God just says he's going to open doors and you just walk through them and he'll close doors that you're not many. Now you can think, well, that's just easy, isn't it? Oh no, that's just really peaceful, isn't it? Because it suddenly isn't, oh no, what is it, God? What's the specific dynamics of it? Oh no, it's push doors, and the one that you need to walk through is open. That's really exciting. That's an adventure. Let's push some doors. Also, it's the adventure of ensuring we're together. That means we look around the room and we think, who's here and who's not. And who do I need to make sure comes on the adventure in moving? Let's not leave anyone behind. That's not what moving is. It isn't like home alone, one, two, three and then a really bad one. It's not those. It isn't that we're going to go off and then think, oh no, we forgot Kevin. He's having a wild time by himself with pizza and burglars. No. <laughs> it's There's that... lots of that film that I don't understand. It's that we never forget Kevin. <laughs> That's all you're going to remember from today. And that we move together, therefore we look out for one another. We think, actually, there's that person. They need help because me be transport. They need help because I want them to understand we need them to come with us. So as we move, we move together. That's what it's going to mean. It also means we move individually. It means that individually we have to keep coming back to that point and saying, God, this is you. I trust you. God, I'm concerned about this, and yet I trust you with it. I want to encourage us this year to live that way, which lands at this point. There is an invitation to an adventure this year. That's what I believe the signpost is. That's what we're believing as a team, the signpost is. An invitation to an adventure. And therefore the question is, do you want to join the adventure? Now at that point you can say, "Mm, that's a yes or no. Yeah, it is a yes or no. That's an uncomfortable one, isn't it? I always think at this point, that's all I want to know. Yes or no, I respect people who say no. No, I'm not up for the adventure. That's cool. Find somewhere where you are up for the adventure. Yes, I am up for the adventure. Great, let's go for it then. Whatever your age, whatever your background, whatever baggage you're carrying, let's go for this adventure. Let's all stand for a moment and then going to ask us that question again and I'll get us to respond in the way we want to. Us as being very pastoral and saying it could be that you're here and you need some time to decide on this. Obviously, I'm not saying if you say no, you're therefore gone. Um, You're dead to me. Never look at me again. I recognize for some you're new in, you think, man, I just like to figure out what on earth this is. For you, it's like, no, I want to figure it out. But for many of us in this room, it's a yes. For some of us who might be here for the first time, you're saying, do you know what I've heard, I'm in. And for you, if that's where you're at, of saying, yeah, invitation to adventure, I'm in. I'm going to ask us now just to close our eyes, just so we don't get distracted by other people. It's not about other people, it's about us as an individual and God. And if you're up for it, I just want you to just do a kind of thing. It's not for me, it's kind of just saying, yeah, I'm in. And if you're in, what you do is you put your arm up. You say, yeah, I'm in, take me. And I'm going to count to three. If you're in, you put your arm up, I'll pray for us. Just so you know, I'm in. And at this point, (laughs) I can go for this, regardless of who goes. I'm going on this, whatever. Anyone else is a Brucey bonus to my family, the Rosier family, the Rickett family, and a few others. That's a Brucey bonus. If you're in, one, two, three, arm up. God, I thank you so much for the beauty, the wonder, the color, the diversity, of who is in. I thank you for the unique part you've placed in each of us to play. And God, I pray, would you go with us? I want to ask Holy Spirit, would you cause us to live this year with a deep sense of privilege, expectation, and faith in the adventure that you've got in store for us, both together and individually. And I look forward to hearing the stories along the way and the stories at the end. And God, I want to pray for those who know at this point, they can't say, yeah, I'm in. I pray, God, would you either get them to find a place they can, or I pray, God, also, would you cause them to discover how they can join this adventure. We ask this because our goal, God, is that you would be glorified in and through us. And as we finish with our, in our worship, but we finish with in this moment, Jesus, it is all about you. Amen.